Episode 6, Successions and Siblings. Welcome to Talking Family Business. My name is Leah Crowley and in this six-episode series, we're taking a look at succession plans, cycles and future-proofing family businesses. HLB Man Judd partner Stephen Preen, HLB Man Judd Business Advisory Manager Tom Roberts, Western Earth Movings Managing Director Graham Ragg and General Manager Michael Ragg are all here again. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank, Thank you. Good afternoon, Leah. We've also got another Rag here too, Tom Rag. Hello. This is where we're going to have an open conversation about successions, inheritance and family trusts. This is for all of you. Whoever's the most, I don't know, polite can go first. In your opinion, what are the benefits of keeping a business in the family? Actually, maybe we'll go with you first, Graham. Okay. Well, in the words of Gomez Adams, old business before new business. You have to watch the movie to get that one. Now, like, I think the benefits are, for our sort of business, the leadership of it has to be pretty driven. And I think if, this, if it was sold into other, other hands, it would be a different business. I think that, you know, I think of the three, four generations, I'll say four, and then I'll say Mr. Arthur Baxter was the first. He was a different character, different character, um, very hardworking, very focused, and um, very focused on good outcomes. And uh, started off, my dad was really driven in terms of production and uh, good outcomes and customer focus. I've been very driven throughout my career. You know, I, I love what I do, and I just want to go hard all the time and, and look after developing a bulletproof sort of business. And I think Mike's inherited the same sort of gene, pretty apparent with how he behaves. And we're very different people, but he's got the same sort of drive. I think that a family business of our sort of nature benefits from having family, um, you know, doing the managing of the business and setting the priorities of, of how the behaviour of the business runs. Mike, would you say the one benefit of keeping business in the family is that, like, there's a like-minded drive there? I, I think... Um Continuity is one word that comes to the front of mind for me um, in that there's a similar style in the leadership. So definitely in our business, everyone turned to Graham for as a very, very solid leader, whether that was to provide that feeling of safety or uh, comfort or direction or management or whatever it was um, and having worked with Graham, that time I'm able to learn from his style and put my own style as to, you know, there's, uh, we're both individuals, so we're different, but put my own spin on that. Um, and I think we complement each other quite well, but it means that with succession, there's continuity in their the leadership style. So there's not this one day, it's this style, the next day it changes when there's not necessarily family ownership change or that's what we see as a strength. Definitely I do. I know Graham does as well. Each to their own. Some businesses, it doesn't work. Yeah, I think continuity is the big thing that comes to mind for people that work in the business and and for customers and yeah. and for the family as well. I was going to say, Tom, you, you must see, well, you and Stephen must see this a, a fair bit. And is continuity like such a key factor in this succession? Yeah, the legacy of the family endeavours to continue those on. In this case here, we've got the family going back and that progression and wealth generation in the family, not only for the family, but for everybody associated with the company, you know, the businesses, all the stakeholders, which is, you know, the people they deal with, employees, etc. 
they all benefit from that legacy, keeping it all together. And it's how they manage people. And you can see at Western how they've always managed the people, the staff, the number of generations which have worked for them, and everyone appreciated that, and so forth, and the benefits they've, they've always helped to, try, um, to improve their quality of life. So even though you know, the RAG family's got the ownership, it's not only their family benefits, everybody that benefits. Tom, anything you want to add? No, I think that's a pretty much a perfect summary, to be honest. I think, you know, Mike spoke about continuity. As, as Stephen said, I think we speak quite quite regularly about legacy. Um, and, yeah, it's really about protecting that. And I guess even if if we go back to a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about when, Tom, when you were first introduced to to, to WEM, that Stephen kind of went in and went, look, this is. So even even you guys have, have tried to to get that continuity going with, uh, with, with mm. your own business. Yeah. We have people coming through, like Tom, who we are totally um, um, supportive of and appreciate their their um, knowledge and so forth, which we see growing, growing mm. with us and growing with our clients. So it develops, of course, at the end of the day, you know, I drop off and you've got people coming through. Otherwise, yeah. there's no business. Bef- before that meeting when we first met Tom, uh, Stephen and I had a conversation about this sort of thing without Mike involved. And look in the future, and Steve and I are the same sort of age, and we're, we're probably between us got probably only 40 years left between mm. us, yeah, something like 40 that. Yeah. Well, a fair few years anyway. But we were mindful of you know what's the next steps. And he said, Look, I've got someone to introduce you to, I won't say any more about it, you work out. So, you know, we then had um, uh, reflective sort of tri- trials, and we're looking to see um, if Tom, the next generation, were um, like minded people that would add value to our business. And that we could also give them a fair run as well on how we would interact. And um, he did okay first meeting. He was okay. He did okay first meeting. <laughs> so came into my home in the second meeting. Okay, great. <laughs> no, and look, look, that was a gradual process. Again, we, you know, there was no way I was going to meet someone whoever recommended and say, "Yeah, that's right." It had to be a long-term thing. So that took a bit of thinking and timing, and uh, you know, it's it's a great position for us. It'd be fair to say that we are pick and stick type people. What's pick and stick mean? <laughs> well, mean? I'll tell you what, we'll never go to another podcast place. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much. Once, once we once we love someone, we love forever. Yeah. We look and for the if, long-term if, relationship. Yeah, and if the other side behaves badly, we'll correct their behaviour. Yeah, so right. We're okay. all back in love again. Or we'll have to adjust our own. Yeah. Is, is, is that not only a whim thing but a rag thing? Yeah, I think so. But I, th- no, I think it's probably more a WEM thing than a okay. thing. But yeah. yeah, it's probably in the rag gene a bit. WEM as a company is certainly pick and stick. Yeah. Long-term customers, long-term suppliers, long-term supporters uh, that, you know, both sides test each other the whole time to check, check the um, validity of the arrangement, but it's strong. Mm. But there's also that continuity thing. You're having a pick and stick, you develop a relationship that works well, you're able to talk shorthand, you're able to, you don't need to, rehash history you know there's you know what the past is you don't need to keep rehashing it and starting afresh with someone new mm. um there's some businesses that we deal with where there is a turnstile of people coming in and out and it's frustrating to be able to develop that actual close relationship that actually fosters things that are beneficial for both parties um that becomes hard in business yeah it does look we've got a lot of corporate customers and gradually over this you know since the last 15 years, the number of corporate customers has increased in our relationship with them. And Steve spoke in an earlier episode about the need for us to be more 
professional in our approach and they've helped us with a lot of things that way. And the, the um, IT systems we put in and the financial backroom we put in now is very, very strong and able to deal with these things. But the frustration sometimes is that they become, as Mike said, a bit of a turnstile. People change in there so that we still, you know, whether it's a corporate or whether it's um, Mr. Smith, the local dentist, the, Dr. Smith, the local dentist, um, we just want the personal relationship as well. And yeah. someone's got to take that role. And as we get bigger, larger, stronger, we're making sure we're coaching and training more of our people to take on those responsibilities. Yeah. And as I said earlier, in terms of our succession, it's to support uh, Mike and the future part of the business to be uh, as vibrant and strong as it's always been. So that hasn't changed. That nature of how we behave hasn't changed. That's that goes back. You know, well, I know that from before I started. You were you were customer responsive the whole time. Stephen and Tom, how common is it for family members when the business founder retires or passes away or whatever? Do they suddenly have to scramble to to go through to see who wants to go where, who who wants to get what? Because it's obvious that the 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 WEM guys have had this discussion. Mm. We, we we've discussed it in earlier episodes as well. But like, there's there's plans, but that can't be everybody, right? No, a lot of people don't have plans, and that's where it all comes unstuck. Because if you've got, you know, there's got to be a strategy somewhere of what's going to happen down the track, irrespective of how how people are. Because um, you get to the point where there's no one in the business, or you're reliant on um, people trying to manage, it's not an executive and so forth competitors are looking at you, you've got all sorts of issues going on. So it's just got to be a structure there. Um, so somebody who suddenly dies creates a huge issue in the family, not only for not only for the just the immediate emotional side of things, but the financial situation. And I guess for, for like business, uh, sorry, for staff to try and do business as usual to their clients would be difficult in that situation as well. Yeah, look, can I just add on to what Steve said? I mean, Part of what we look at now in our relationship with our subcontractor suppliers is to how viable they are, what their future proofing is, what plans they've got in place. And some of them are very, very strong businesses. But if you ask them what's happening in four weeks, if something went wrong, not a clue. No planning. So you know, we need to hedge how we work with those guys very carefully because we want to be the infinite business. Yeah, you want to be stable. Yeah, exactly. you want to yeah. So we need stable people with us. So we're aware of that all the time. I suppose these guys have helped us be more aware, but we look at that in terms of who our partners are and how, how we work with people. Yeah, because you're going to have, you know, you quite often see there's a breakup in the family when the founder, founder dies because either one person's been involved and one hasn't, but there hasn't been a clear discussion on what's going to happen in the future. So everything's just up in the air and the business suffers. You'd also have people within the family who are not working for the business mm. who are then like, well, I want my fair share, yep. whether that's reasonable or not. Yeah. Well, that's where it becomes important in family constitutions and things like that to sort these things out as you go along. Yeah. It's what is the entitlement to the person working in the business as opposed to the person not working in the business. You know, they're all, all family members normally identify with the business but they mightn't have the skills to be in it, but they've still, they might have equity, they mightn't have equity, and therefore there's a plan of, of, of the incumbent to deal, deal with those issues before it ever happens. Mm. That, that sort of ties into the whole uh, fairness versus equality debate. And I think, you know, as again, it comes back to those three circles. Like if you look through the family lens, you know, you want to provide equal opportunity to all your kids, so you want to split it equally, but then 
you know, if you're looking at what what's fair and sort of who's who's in the business and who's the right person to you know take control of the business and things like that, you know, there's a there's a real conflict of interest there between the the business and the family element, and you know that's why it's so important to to be proactive and, and plan for these things. But as we said, you know, we've seen numerous examples where people don't, and then yeah, someone passes away, and and you know, yeah, they just haven't got an understanding of how how business runs, and they've been on the outside, and suddenly they think. You know, okay, well, where's the money? <laughs> it sounds like a really good time for me to chime in because I, I I went through these myself. Hi, I'm Tom. I went through this sort of similar learning process myself a few years ago of I'd always been associated and nearby WEM and had sort of tangential jobs to it, but I hadn't been involved in any of the long-term planning and these sorts of things. And then all of a sudden one day there was a, we're all getting together and we're having a discussion about the family trust, which kind of leads into my first question that I'll ask you guys. I have a little bit more information now, but I'm generally a layman. And anyone listening now that might be in a similar position to me and asking these questions now, what is a family trust? Like if you just describe that the most simple way of, uh, you know, I've learned now that it's separate from the business, but what's talking to someone like me who's asking these questions for the first time of what's happening with mum and dad's money, you know, as, as crass as that is, what's a family trust? I think the most simple way to sort of look at it is it's, you know, well, one, it's a, if you put your tax hat on, it's a vehicle to really move money around in, in, within the family. Um, but it's also, it's also a vehicle where you can start to build up your personal wealth away from the business. Um, so, you know, quite often what we'll see is you, you'll, you'll have the legacy business that grows and grows um, and that sort of gets to a point and, and you want to sort of de-risk things and actually take money out um, of the business, so so what you'll do is you'll you'll typically put that into a family trust, and and then that's sort of the way to to look after the family wealth and um, and the family interests. Yeah, and what you'd be referring to, Tom, is back then when everybody was getting to an age when they were starting to do things, talking with Graham and so forth. There was a need for money to go to the family. Sure, of so course. it was part of education. So a trust is whereby nobody has a direct interest. It's up to the the trustee to decide who the income goes to mm -hmm. and then it was up to your father and your mother to think, well, okay, we want to treat everyone equally and give them X amount and start to say, well, you're going to have um, this inheritance in the future so everyone's got to be educated on how to deal with it and respect it and so forth. Education is a fantastic word for it there because the first conversations we had for it, I'll be honest, I walked out after that going, Oh, so in like 10 years, if I want, I could open a zoo or something crazy. You know, you, you have these big thoughts of what that could possibly mean. And then as we've gone through a bit further, not the reality of it, but the, a better understanding of exactly what this entails. And it is that idea of if anyone wants access to money, then we need to talk as a family. And we agree that that is a, a good use of the money to to, to progress forward and, and things like that. Um, I'll, I'll ask Graham, was this... Is this a new, fresh thing for for the Rag family? And and when was this something that Wall had? Was was there any thing there? I I asked because there was money put aside for grandchildren to to fund schooling and things like that. But I've never there's never any been any discussion around that sort of. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dad's approach was simpler. It wasn't involved with this sort of thing. But certainly one of his things he had decided was that um, in his own way he wanted to fund all his kids, his grandkids through school. And never mentioned it. And what he wanted at the end, or what he hoped for, and what he got from each of the grandchildren was a lovely book or a letter when they graduated saying, Thank you, Pop. It was as simple as that. Mm -hmm. So we've got the same sort of thing. 
but it's got some more fa- formality and rigor around it now, so that um, those things are protected. But yeah, for for for, for dad, my dad, twenty twenty five years ago, no, it wasn't thought of. And I guess reflecting on our path as a family, um, I think for a lot of family businesses, the wealth generation is the family business, mm-hmm. and for you know, longer term businesses that are conserv- conservatively fiscally operated, that wealth stays within the business. But to get once a business grows to a certain size, the risk is that if something goes wrong in that business, all that wealth is lost. Yep. And sure. you know, if it is a family business where there's family members operating or not operating within that business, you know, I'm sure a lot of the driving factor for those involved in the business, owning the business, is to provide for their family. Having a family trust helps segregate push some of that wealth outside of that business at a point that, you know, uh, from a tax perspective and from whether it's your banks or something will permit and put wealth aside for the family to use and they may may afford other investment opportunities or to provide income to family members or, you know, whatever the the owner of the trust decides mm. will happen. Is that... That's, that's about a, the point that's, it reached that's for nice when, wasn't it, in the yeah, RAG family? that's right. It got that way for us to make sure that, that look, and it also, I think one of the conversations I remember having with Steve was talking about let's make sure that WEM itself stays lean enough and hungry enough because hmm. we've got a, a very conservative balance sheet. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, not out, um, we're not too adventurous that way, which suits for now. Some could well. say we have a lazy balance sheet. That could be it. But uh, it's also very healthy. And it means that we've been able to, you know, in simple terms, hive it off, hive some off legally, properly, sensibly, mm-hmm. and means that the uh, can then be exercised for the, the family's benefit or other investments in the future. Sure. Yeah, because as everyone grows, everyone's needs change. You know, the, the four of you, you're well, all in different look, stages. That that leads me into my next question. Mm. I know we've talked about future-proofing and what stuff on What sort of zoo the... is it? Come on. No, 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 no. We'll get back to that. <laughs> no, but... Um, Grand, grandchildren, are they are they included in that? Are they considered? You know, you, you talked about the spheres and things like that. Where where do they fall in there? I, I ask because more of them keep coming along, and eventually there will be a position where some of us have got two kids, some of us have got none. Does that impact family? Tra- you know, how far forward are you guys playing this game? Well, you really need to think about it from. Uh, the immediate family point of view, because in your family, if you've got you've got four children, mm-hmm. so Graham and Di are dealing with the four of them. Whether they need to break it down to the next stages is questionable, because they can deal with you four, and then you four can deal with that situation, and then over the top they can come in and trump you. And um, deal with the grandchildren too. So, you know, this, <laughs> until I, the graduate gets us to an age where their wants change. Mm-hmm. I think it falls back to what Tom said about what there can be fair and then what's equitable mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's. But normally in families, you'll, you'll deal with the immediate family. Just yeah, make it right. not too complex. Yeah, I think so. Otherwise, then you're counting on you know, who has a cat and who has two dogs and who has. Sure. You know, Three leprechauns in the yard, and the sort of how many cars tricky. one person owns, anything. Well, it's it, a bit tricky. It sounds like the, the it, it, there's an attempt to not let it get unwieldy, and part of that is to always bring it back into that core focus of what you're trying to achieve with that money being tucked away somewhere. You know, we tend to have an annual catch up where 
it's floated to us what some concepts of what money might be used for. If anyone is looking to do any big projects, then they can put their hand up there and 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 sort of raise that. But I imagine that you you guys are talking more often than you know than you're sharing out to the entire family trust. Is it yourself and Stephen who work on that, or what's? And I know mum is probably involved. Yeah, look, in terms of thinking about trust, you can't do anything without good advice. And the advice must come from me and Judd, in our case, or similar. And, you know, for, for, for family businesses listening, don't try to do this yourself. You'll just end up in a quagmire. I think it's important with things. Don't you think, Mike? Correct. No, that's really important. I think we get good advice from there. We get good advice also from um, our solicitors. But uh, the onus rests with me. To make the good decisions, still, you know, we're die on behalf of the family. Yeah. And you move to a more of a family office situation, which looks after the wealth coming out of the business. Mm-hmm. So, when business feeds the family office scenario, so that's a whole different setup story. And uh, and, what, and the family office, there. in our case, is just getting strong enough now that um, we'll have some more regular catch ups with. I think Tom might. Um, Tom might want to help us with a few more of those as well as with Steve. Are you going to come for the sausage sizzle? Yeah. I would love to. Oh, we treat it like Bunnings. You've got <laughs> yeah. to get a snag. You've get a snag. Yeah. We have a few more of those and, and because, um, you know, the, the business is maturing, the opportunity is maturing, we're going to be keeping a look at them. To answer your question earlier, Tom, um, as families evolve, um, what you start to see is, you know, it always starts with a controlling owner. Mm-hmm. Um, then it moves down to siblings cousins you know if you get to a fourth generation by that stage you're pretty you know fairly distant relatives and and i think you know as that evolution occurs you know we talk about this concept of pruning the family tree sometimes and that that's required um so so what you'll see is you know there might be say you know this situation so you've got four brothers you know you might buy two of the brothers out and two brothers might want to go forward so you know that there might need to be an event where you actually you know financially buy them out to sort of protect the control and and sort of you know prune the family tree so because otherwise what will happen is as, as time goes on and you know if we want to be an infinite business you know the family tree four or five it's exponential so you know and, and you sort of lose control and it becomes a lot harder to manage so you know that's a concept we sort of talk about quite a bit look a bit of a a, a curveball from we, we've been talking all today about uh that top-down leadership of, of graham recognizing the importance of succession and things like that but uh, say someone you know, uh, my age, 40 odd and whatever is listening and they're concerned about the succession plan that their parent has for the family business, that they may not have taken this seriously enough. Is it is it upon them? Should they, you know, is it worth them contacting you and yes. starting that process? Oh, yes. And then that, of course, you're going to say yes. But <laughs> we can always help. No, no, I agree. It is. It is. If you're looking at that situation and you're yeah. concerned about the security of your parents and then yeah. the legacy – is it an awkward thing to come to that situation then you drag them to the parents or you've got to be careful how you handle those things and the you know the incumbent person who's sort of in charge they've got to be brought into the journey somehow otherwise you'll get nowhere Mm -hmm. so it's delicate but you're only trying to attempt to address these issues for the betterment of the business and the family they both go together so um, there's discussions to be held. There's various ways of going about it, how you, you deal with each of the individual family members and so forth. Sometimes there's a catalyst which can call these, cause these things to, to happen. Hopefully it's just a small small um, um, blip in the radar. Yeah. It gets people thinking about things and so forth. So 
know, there's always ways to have conversations with people, you know, just to make sure they are thinking about it. I think just to add to that, I think um, it's a, it's about understanding perspectives as well, and I think having a independent facilitator there sometimes can help whether that's us or you know it could be the solicitor it could be someone else in in the professional network but but i think having that independent person there i mean you know it's a it can be a pretty emotionally charged conversation so i think you know just having a cool calm sort of rational head in the room to to help mediate and, and help people understand the different perspectives is, is really important would you say that you guys you have a different perspective to a lawyer and and I I mean that in a in a very uh, I'm I'm saying very positive things about you guys, but we've had meetings before, family wise, where the lawyer has been there, and it's been run as a meeting, and everyone you know there's an expectation and things like that. Whereas when we've had the family trust meetings, apart from the first one, which was ripping off the band aid, ever since then any of those sorts of meetings we've had have been a lot more laid back and and it feels more friendly than and than official would. Probably what he's trying to say is that for families who might be hearing this and thinking about things, you will get some good, uh, robust, real discussion with uh, some good accounting and business advisory people where you'll get a perspective that's a bit more legal a view and a stronger view maybe if you talk to lawyers. As close as they are, as good as your lawyers are, they'll start that perspective. It's a different thing. They'll be talking to you a little bit more about risk to business and risk to yourself and personal risk, which you've got to be aware of. But I think that, you know, for our family, we've moved past all those things. You know, that concern's gone. And I think that we're trying to make sure we foster good knowledge amongst um, all the family as to what the opportunities are and how it's available. So the the advice that you can get and the partnership you can get from working with man judges is invaluable on this sort of stuff. I think there is no better spot to end that than that, Graham. That was that was that was sound advice. And and of course, if anybody wants more information about family trusts, they can just get in contact with you guys. Am I correct? Correct, Liam. Directly, or can we go through the website? Like, where do we go? We're available twenty four seven. And if you can't get them, I'm <laughs> I'm happy to act as their agent. All right, fantastic, fantastic. HLB Manjad. Thank you, everybody. This has been, an, I'm sure, an eye-opening or ear-opening uh, discussion for a lot of people listening for the first time. And if you've missed any of the earlier episodes, make sure you check back because uh, there's five others of them. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. Liam. Thanks, Thank Liam. For further information, please visit our website, hlb.com.au.